Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Alex Coogan-Reeves. In the program this week, Team New Zealand return home following their unsuccessful America's Cup campaign, the All Blacks prepare for their Alice Park showdown, and Ricky Herbert talks about his World Cup preparations. Their success for New Zealand sailors at the World Champs, tennis star Anna Ivanovic is confirmed to play in Auckland, and the Warriors trial a full-time move to Eden Park. The majority of Team New Zealand's back in the country following their unsuccessful bid for the America's Cup, while Oracle Team USA continued to celebrate, the New Zealanders were left to think about how it slipped away from them. This week, Australian billionaire winemaker Bob Oatley was confirmed as the official challenger of record for the next cup. Jeff Robinson spoke with Team New Zealand skipper Dean Barker on his return, and he admits there's a limited period of opportunity to keep the team together. Yeah, there's, um, there's certainly been uh, team members that have been approached already, um, which is, uh, you know, it's very frustrating or difficult because, you know, still, I guess, going through a process of just trying to, uh, you know, look at um, exactly what happened and uh, to know that a number of the guys, you know, are already under or being targeted, it, yeah, it is, uh, it's very uh, tough. It's not really to be surprised at, though, is it? I mean, isn't that what, what happens after previous races? Well, yeah, it's certainly uh, the case. Um, it, it does tend to happen, and normally when a team has, um, a, you know, a certain amount of strength, it's very hard to, uh, you know, to protect all the... All the, all the um, all the different people that you've got in your, um, you know, in your team. So it's, um, yeah, it's uh, it's tough, and that's sort of the way this team's structured. It's very hard to be able to, um, you know, to hold everyone together. Now, of course, we now know there is another challenger of record for the next America's Cup. This is the, the Hamilton Island Yacht Club and Bob Oatley. You have said Team New Zealand would like to be involved in that. Can they afford to be? Uh, well, the the thing with um, with the next event is that uh, we we need to see uh, protocol, which is sort of the, the rules governing the next event. Um, we need to know what sort of boat it is, the timing of the next event, um, and what sort of measures are in place to to um, curtail the costs of uh, competing. Because well, we're not likely to know that till sometime 2014, are we? No, we're not, and so that that sort of creates the issue in a lot of ways. We, we to you need to be able to secure your people so that you actually have a a feasible or a viable team that will actually have a chance to be successful. Um, so, so that means the funding, does it? The sponsorship? Yeah, and that's exactly the point. You need to, to have the ability to be able to um, just retain um, the, the sort of the key people that we need to move forward. Um, and that really is buying the time to then do a full study and look at, you know, once the rules are released, whether or not a you know, the team has a chance to be successful. I, I presume you'd like to be involved in that, but given the, the, the result of the last one, should you be? Well, I'm, um, I'm, very, I'm very much focused right now on the chance of Team New Zealand being able to continue because I think it's, um, it's a very strong team and I think it, it, it certainly needs to be part of the next event. In terms of my own position or my own role, and you know, I'm more than uh, 
uh, more than happy for that that position to be uh, decided um, by whatever means. You know, if, um, that if I'm the right person, then I'd love to be involved. Um, if it should be someone else, then uh, I'd you know I'd support that. Because looking at your your record as helmsman over what four America's Cup campaigns now, eleven wins and twenty one defeats in in match racing. Yeah, well, I guess I've probably done more uh, more races than uh, the America's Cup than most people probably have. So you know, I guess in the end you are going to end up with a record, and the uh, you know, the two that obviously don't don't help that one are two thousand and three, and then uh, again in um, in two thousand and seven. So. Yeah. A lot of talk about Russell Cooch coming home. Uh, do you have any feelings about that one way or the other? Um, well, you know, right now I'm sure Russell's probably uh, off relaxing somewhere. Um, I haven't spoken to him, and uh, you know, obviously he's uh, he's got a you know, phenomenal track record in the America's Cup. Um, whether um, he's still motivated, you know, Wants to come back to New Zealand, and, and in fact, whether it actually fits into a structure back here is um, you know, remains to be seen. One of the things the Hamilton uh, Island Yacht Club secretary told me was that they were considering looking at the, the point of making it national teams, as the way it used to be, making passport holders have to be crew members, which would mean there'd be a little less of the sort of um, poaching of other countries' staff, wouldn't they? Would you think that would be a good thing? Uh, uh, we were um, very pro-nationalistic teams because we, uh, we we see that as one of the strengths or values of um, Team New Zealand. Um, we would absolutely support a, a nationalistic view, um, and I think it only enhances the event um, to have that sort of association. So we really now are all just up in the air waiting for... Oracle and the uh, Hamilton Island people to, to sort out what the rules are for the next competition, aren't we? We've just got to wait and, and, and what, chew fingernails? Um, no, we need to be more um, proactive in that. We need to, as I said before, we need to secure the key people and um, because without a without a, a team you can't go out and uh, raise ship and things once the, the event and the rules and everything else is determined. You know, you need the the people because that's sort of the, the only real asset you have in terms of creating a team, particularly with a new class of boat and, uh, and a whole lot of pretty new design work that needs to be done. So it's a it's a real difficult um, situation because you you need need these key people, um, and there's, there's no guarantee you know, when the rules come out that the team will be able to continue if you know, mm. it just becomes way too costly or. Uh, the timing or whatever it might be that doesn't allow you to, to go and do it. Then, do, do you think they'll stick with catamarans? I'd be very surprised if they didn't. I think in the end, um, the event, um, you know, after a very slow and stuttering start during the Louis Vuitton series, the, the catamarans with the America's Cup final itself, I think, captured a lot of uh, interest from people that have never been interested in sailing before. And I think it was... Uh, yeah, it was fortunate in a way that um, it, it did get going when it did, because otherwise I think the, um, it would have been viewed as a, a bit of a failure. The All Blacks have a chance to clinch the rugby championship title this weekend when they take on South Africa, but they'll have to do it at one of the Springboks fortresses, Alice Park in Johannesburg. As our rugby reporter Barry Guy reports, it's not a ground the All Blacks have many fond memories of. Yes, a very warm welcome everyone. A tremendous atmosphere building up here at Ellis Park for this titanic clash. 
It's been nine years since the All Blacks have played at Alice Park. Their last couple of matches in the city were played at the new football stadium in Soweto, and they've won both of them, so no wonder the South Africans have moved this match back to Alice Park. Springboks coach Heineken Meyer says a ground never wins a match for them, but this one certainly helps. I truly believe that Alice Park in the past uh, has been great for the box. It's a hard field, it's a high field, and it's always been really, really uh, a lot of sentiment in the ground. You know, they probably don't have the best record to Alice Park, so uh, although it's a great ground and we love playing there, it's not going to do it for us. The 85-year-old venue hasn't been a happy hunting ground for the All Blacks. They've only won three of their 11 tests there. The last time the two rivals played at Alice Park in 2004, the box won 40 points to 26. Kevin Mialamu is the only member of the current squad who played that day. He says it has a great atmosphere. I find it really, real enjoyable. You know, just uh, yeah, yeah. I see it as a real challenge being able to yeah. to play the Springboks in Alice Park. You know, um, that's one of the highlights uh, as an All Black. Uh, it's a new challenge for for most of the team, and um, at the end of the day, it'll just come down to to the best team on the day. So I think we just we put history aside and just make sure this team's ready to go. While many players would have been there in Super Rugby, the All Blacks' first 5-8th, Aaron Cruden, has never played there and so is excited about what lies ahead. The last few years it's been held in Soweto, this test, but this year it's been moved into Joburg here, into Alice Park, so yeah, I, I guarantee the, the atmosphere and the crowd's going to be pretty electric, so the boys are really excited about that challenge. South Africa have played 44 tests at the ground and won 31 of them. They've only lost once there in the last 10 years. And New Zealand last won there in 1997 when Sean Fitzpatrick captained the side to a 35-32 victory. Springboks winger Brian Habana knows how much it means to his side and to him. Ellis Park is, is a fantastic place to play rugby. You know, I've been fortunate that I've you know, been able to, to don the Springbok jersey there a couple of times. You know, it's got special memories for me, not only coming and being brought up in Johannesburg, but you know, being at that 95 final and, and being inspired by that team to, you know, to go on and hopefully do the same one day. So I think being back at Ellis Park is, is pretty special. Yes, Habana touched on it. 1995, the World Cup final at Ellis Park, the one that got away. The tension almost unbearable sitting over Ellis Park. 12-12, seven minutes of this World Cup final to play. Better hook this time. Here's Stransky with a drop goal. Up the walls of post. He liked it. It is Sir Brian Lahore managed the team that day. He also captained the All Blacks to South Africa in 1970. They had a chance to level the series heading into the final test at Alice Park, but were beaten 2017. It's like playing on the top of the Tower Earth, basically, on Mount Holsworth. It's uh, 5,500 feet, so it is hard work from uh, getting enough oxygen point of view. It's intimidating because they like beating All Blacks. And it's a, I guess say they see it as a bit of a fortress too over a long period of time. Ellis Park has been, you know, a fortress for many teams going to South Africa. It's a bit like South Africans going to Eden Park, I guess. Altitude doesn't really appear to be a problem for professional teams now. And of course, records are there to be broken. The All Blacks will win the rugby championship if they pick up a point. South Africa need a bonus point victory to have any chance of taking the title. That's Barry Guy reporting. The All-Whites have confirmed their final warm-up fixtures for their Intercontinental World Cup playoff next month. New Zealand will play 83rd-ranked Trinidad and Tobago in Port of Spain in two weeks' time. Prior to the match, the All-Whites will have a week-long training camp in Los Angeles, which will include two matches against Mexican and US club sides.
Stephen Hewson spoke to the coach Ricky Herbert and asked about the suitability of Trinidad and Tobago as their opponents. We've seen them um, recently in the Saudi Arabian tournament and obviously from a um, confederations point of view and a CONCACAF point of view that they line up pretty squarely across what we may face. All, all a bit rushed or, or delayed? You'd have liked to have had it sorted out a bit earlier? Oh, not really. Look, these things do take time and uh, albeit as close to us travelling, it's it's done now and I think that's the most important thing. And the club side, I mean, would you have preferred maybe another international fixture as well? Uh, look, I think the, the opportunity to have a training camp and, and work with the players leading into an international fixture will be great because that'll be so much aligned to, to what we're going to do in November in the period of time that we have. So, uh, no, no issues with that at all. What are you wanting from that, that Trinidad and Tobago game in particular? Well, I think it's, you know, obviously it's going to be the last prep internationally to uh, to play against. So, you know, it'll be a chance for us to, to, to put out what we think probably shape-wise um, and depending on, on sort of player availability through injury on, on who we have there. But give us a chance to sort of work with the shape and, and, and do what we think is going to be necessary for the November window. And hopefully by then, um, we should know who we're going to play against. Shape-wise, have you got a, a, a way that you're lead, leaning? I mean, obviously, you, you tried a few things in that Saudi Arabia tournament. Yeah, yeah, I have. And, um, yep, I think we're, uh, we're pretty confirmed. And um, we'll work through that with the players when we meet um, in the next few days and, um, and work on that all the way through to, to the uh, Trinidad game. So what, what is your, your plan? Well, let's wait and see. I think it's, uh, it's it's work in progress, and it's something that we're not sort of divulging at the stage. Are you going to get a chance to go to see the, the Mexico-Panama game? I'll definitely send somebody down there. Um, we're, we're going to be playing the next day, so just from a time point of view, but being in that sort of location where we're going to be in LA, it'll be great. We've, we've booked a, a team room, so we've got a full sort of team opportunity to, to watch it live anyway on TV. I imagine you're going to, there's going to be a fair bit of pressure on that week, isn't there, to, I mean, get, get things right. It's a, a good opportunity to have a period of time together. Yeah, that's probably a great place to be too, Stephen. I think, you know, it's just, you know, it's going to be so close. And I think, you know, with, with the Mexico-Panama game and, you know, potentially, you know, one of, the, one of those two being the, the challenges in November that, um, you know, it'd be just great. Players can... We can work, we can train, you know, we can do things on a, a, from a training perspective against those club sides, which would be good sides anyway. We can watch the game live, and it just gives us a chance. And, you know, quite often in the windows, we're always travelling, and, and, and this time we don't have to travel a lot. How much of a different environment do you think it's going to be from, from sort of four years ago when you had to play away and then the sort of central North American set-up? Well, if it's going to be Mexico, then obviously Mexico City, you know, the stadium is going to be probably jam-packed, 105,000, and probably a, a different atmosphere. But um, you know, I think that's a pretty cool thing. I think you know, from a New Zealand perspective, we like those challenges, and I think we like going into those sort of environments where it is tough. So, um, And that's if it's going to be them. But this October window certainly gives us a chance to replicate what potentially we will have to do as far as training camp and then fly into whatever destination we um, you know, we get to play. Oh, I imagine you wouldn't have thought at this point in time that, that it might have been Mexico you were having to having to face. When that uh, when that group of six were you know sort of came out you'd think America and Mexico would go straight through. So yep, I don't think we 
we probably considered it, and I'm not sure they considered it either. So, um, yeah, it may be something rare for them having to go through a qualification stage. But um, let's wait and see. It's been a tricky group to uh, to predict, that's for sure. That's Stephen Hewson speaking to Ricky Herbert. And this is Extra Time, a web-only programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. New Zealand enjoyed its best day at a single sailing world championships this week as New Zealand sailors picked up three medals, including two gold, at the 49er World Championships in France. The Olympic silver medalists Peter Burling and Blair Chuk won the men's gold with fellow New Zealanders Marcus Hansen and Josh Perebski taking silver. Alex Maloney and Molly Meach won the women's title. Barry Guy spoke with Chuk straight after his win and he says it was great they could finish strongly. Yeah, no, the whole week's been really good. I mean, you know, even though the we went in first from the start. We were pretty close to the front and, you know, it was really light wins early on and, you know, that sort of rewarded the guys that a bit better in the, in the lighter conditions and, you know, had a breezy day yesterday which sort of, you know, sorted the boys from the men a little bit and um, we were able to move up from sixth to first and uh, today was another light win but, um, you know, just top ten boats, three races and, you know, we sailed really well and uh, to come away with the win, you know, very pleasing. Uh, it was reasonably comfortable in the end, but what, your closest competition with the other New Zealanders? Yeah, absolutely. I'm um, stoked for the other Kiwi boys, Marcus and Josh, the training partners they have been for a couple of years now. They helped us, you know, to our Olympic silver medal last year, and uh, it sort of just shows uh, shows the sort of depth and um, you know that we have in New Zealand. Bit of rivalry there. You had to make sure you came out on top? Yeah, there was, but... Um, yeah, sorry, I'm just getting a photo taken a couple of kills around me. Um, there, was, there was a bit of rivalry, but, you know, they're our really good mates, and um, we're just, you know, absolutely stoked for them. And, you know, if they had beaten us, they'd, you know, they would have beaten us, and that's just the way it goes. But, you know, happy to come, come with us to win in the end. Uh, what, the condition's good um, for New Zealanders, or what, New Zealanders just on top of the world at the moment? Um, New Zealand's just on top of the world, pretty much. Like, um they were quite light winds. Five out of six days were light winds. And, you know, New Zealand New Zealand's unrenowned for the light wind sailing. But, uh, you know, we, we've got the boats going pretty fast in the light winds. And, uh, you know, the girls also won the world champs in the, in the you know, in the FS class. So, it's, you know, it's pretty cool for them. And what does this uh, say about uh, you after your silver medal last year? Um, Nathan and Ian, who won the gold medal, were here. They haven't done much sailing this year. But, uh, you know, we've worked really hard and... Um, you know, it's sort of not just not just the work we've done this year, but the work we've done over the last four years. It's um, pretty cool that it's sort of you know paid off, and you know, Pete and I it's our first world championship win together. So it's really pleasing, and it's also our first um, you know win since sort of junior class days. So um, you know, it's a pretty cool feeling to sort of realise you're the best in the world. And uh, this sets you up for the uh, what next uh, Olympic cycle. Yeah, this is already part of the Olympic cycle, so we're, um, you know, we're working really hard towards Rio, and you know, this, you know, predictions for Rio to be quite light winds, and you know, to come with the world, world title with, you know, a, a light wind majority, you know, perhaps most of the time here's been light winds. It's uh, really pleasing. And after the sort of disappointment last week of the America's Cup victory for New Zealand, uh, doing particularly well here. Yeah, I mean, like for Olympic class sailing, like today is probably the biggest day and the most. Um, successful, you know, day in Olympic class sailing, you know, for as, as long as I can remember. So, you know, that's pretty cool. But obviously all of us here, are, you know, completely gutted for Team New Zealand. But, uh, you know, the boys still did us proud. And um, it's awesome to sort of hear, you know, we were pretty stressed earlier in the week when, you know, when, when we sort of realised they weren't going to win. And, um, 
to hear the sort of reception back home and see how proud everyone is. All of them's uh, you know pretty cool for us, and that sort of gave us a bit of drive this week. You could make the smooth transition straight into a big cat, couldn't you? Yeah, I mean the, the option is there for us, but you know, so is sort of the um, drive for us to try and win a gold medal. So. Um, we'll see what happens, but right now we'll just sort of take this moment in and, you know, we'll really enjoy it. We've worked super hard and, um, you know, once we get home, we'll sort of see what happens from here. This year's ASB Classic Tennis Tournament confirmed its star signing this week with the Serbian Anna Ivanovic announced to headline the Auckland event. Ivanovic is a former world number one and Grand Slam winner and is one of the biggest names in the sport. She'll be joined in Auckland by the up-and-coming Briton, Laura Robson. I caught up with the tournament director, Carl Budge, who was delighted by the signings. Absolutely thrilled, I think, to, um, to have you know, one of the world's most iconic athletes uh, coming to our shores for the first time is a, you know, is a great get for us. Um, and to couple that with arguably the most exciting prospect on the women's tour, is um, yeah, we're very excited about what that's going to do for our tournament this year. You were just on Ivanovic. Um, what was sort of the process? Has it been sort of a long time in the making uh, trying to get her here? Yeah, it has. Um, we wanted to get her last year. Um, it wasn't an option. She was playing Hotman Cup last year. Um, we put a strategy in place to, to try and lure her away from Aussie. She's got family in Australia. She's very at home in Australia. So we need to do something a little bit different to make sure that we were getting uh, getting her along. And um, you know, we we got Serena Sister, her best friend, to come out here last year. Made sure she had a great time and um, and was selling our story on behalf of us. And, and thankfully, that looks like it's worked. While her ranking's not top 10 or anything at this stage, she's one of the true stars of the game, you'd say? Yeah, she's she's that perfect player for us on the women's field where we're only allowed one top 10 player with the level of tournament we are. And so to get someone with the marketability of Anna and the credibility on court of Anna uh, without taking that top 10 away from us, is um, yeah, there, there's no better get. That, that's what makes her, I guess, probably the most desirable female player on the tour for, for our level events. So can we expect to see a top 10 player announced? Yeah, I hope so. Um, we've agreed to terms with a player that's sort of in that space at the moment. Um, we need to wait and see how the, the next four weeks go, but um, we, uh, we're pretty confident we will. Um, we've, so we've agreed to terms, so we've got a bit of uh, got to get ink on paper before that's locked away, but um, I'm pretty confident we'll have a top 10 come, uh, come January. Because I guess from a financial point of view, it's not cheap getting uh, these, these star players, but... You can get Ivanovic in a top ten. That's not a problem. Yeah, look, we've we've had a good year with negotiations. We've um, we've got them at, at, at fees that were palatable for us, um, and uh, and meant that we could have a bit of room to move with other players. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm feeling pretty um, pretty confident with that, and it helps unveiling sponsors like Company as well. That uh, you know, gives us that additional bit of finance that we can have a play and bring out top players. And um, I guess. We can expect to see some uh, New Zealand involvement this year. I love Marina Rakovic, uh, likely to play. Yeah, I hope so. Um, Marina's a, you know, I, I don't think Marina gets the, the credit she deserves to, to be on, on tour for what it must be seven or eight years that Marina's been on tour now inside that top 100. Um, that's, that's no mean feat when you look at what other players have come and gone on that time, but her durability is, is, uh, is incredible. So uh, she's been. An outstanding player from New Zealand. I certainly hope that Kiwi tennis fans get out and um, and support her should she be in, uh, participating in our tournament come January. And uh, just in terms of the rest of the field, uh, it's looking like it'll be a strong field, you'd say? Yeah, I'm pretty optimistic that this, uh, this will be one of, if not our strongest tournament we've had. 
um, you know, to, to unveil Anna and, and someone like Laura, knowing the other discussions we're having at the moment, I, I sit here feeling pretty relaxed around what um, what other announcements we'll look to make in the coming weeks. And so it would be what a month, month or so you'd say before we'll know uh, about a possible top ten player. Yeah, we need to monitor um, how how they go over the next couple of weeks. We've got a big tournament happening in China this week. Um, if they happen to win that, that'll make interesting and probably a few sleepless nights for me. But um, yeah, we, we need to just monitor how they go and the players around them and the rankings go, and then we can come out with a degree of certainty. I, I'd like to think around the, the 21st of October when we go on public sale with tickets. It'd be nice to to tie it into an announcement around that time. Does it make it hard if, if a player goes well for you that you're in negotiations with, then that sort of hurts hurts you a bit? Yeah, it's, it's one of those interesting things. Um, you, know, you obviously want your players playing great and, you know, and, and rising up the rankings, but when you can only have one in the top ten, it does make for, it, for some interesting times. If you've got two players in that seven through 18, it's so congested on the women's tour at the moment that any of them could finish top 10. Um, it certainly makes for a few interesting uh, interesting night's sleep, shall we say. And I guess that sort of hurt you a bit last year with uh, Wozniacki having to pull out. So I guess you're hoping not, not to have that similar situation again. Yeah, we, we agreed to terms with Caroline, so it would have been great to have her here. Um, she snuck back into the top 10, which meant we couldn't, unfortunately. Um, but look, you know, when, when someone like that sneaks into the top 10, it means someone else drops out. And, and opens up another discussion we can have. So, yeah, while it's um, while it makes our life pretty hard, it also keeps the job pretty interesting. And um, you know, one day you think you're going to have the best tournament in the world, and the other day you're thinking you've got some work to do. So it's uh, yeah, it makes it exciting. The Warriors Rugby League Club has made its first significant move towards adopting Auckland's Eden Park as its new home, announcing three matches will be played at the ground next year. The club's set to leave Mount Smart Stadium possibly before its current contract expires in 2018 and will use the Eden Park Games next year to trial the stadium's viability as its replacement. I spoke to the club's chief executive, Wayne Scarra, who says matches hosted at Eden Park have been successful in the past. You know, we've had three great games there and the uh, the gates have been the top three gates in the club history, so clearly uh, we've had very good casual attendance to Eden Park and I think... Uh, what we've now got to find out is uh, just what the tolerance is for uh, further games there. So uh, three games has been agreed as, as the ideal number to trial and, uh, and to assess it again from there. And are you confident that there's the demand there um, in Auckland um, for, the, for the extra games and the increased capacity? Well, clearly there's the interest in NRL and, uh, you know, the club's uh, attendances uh, at Eden Park would suggest yes, but that's part of doing it. Uh, we'll, we'll find out. And I guess I guess the um, with having them all in the early part of the season, do you think that's almost a disadvantage in that, you know, it does um, become a bit, the novelty factor sort of decreases a bit? And when that's one of the reasons we want to do that is to is to make them more like a, a real season uh, so we can actually assess it properly because you're right, to spread it out probably doesn't give you a true picture of what your normal attendances might be as a venue. I mean, we're clearly uh, assessing it as, as a potential uh, permanent venue and uh, whilst we haven't made that decision, I think this is the proper step to be able to do that. And um, obviously the draw hasn't come out yet, but in terms of the games that you'll look to take there, will you 
you'd be wanting to take sort of the marquee games, if you will, against you know the Melbournes and those sort of top teams to um, try and help boost numbers that way as well. Well, the NRL have signalled that you know as a venue in Auckland, um, you know they they prefer Eden Park as as the Warriors' future home. They have made it clear from a venue point of view, uh, they see that as the premier venue in Auckland, and uh, that that potentially should be the Vodafone Warriors' future home. So. You know, when uh, Rugby League head office is telling us uh, the same thing, we've got to certainly listen. And we've told them that, you know, we're prepared to look at it and we're prepared to work with the city and Eden Park to, to trial it. But um, we haven't we haven't had more than a single game for three years, so we need to understand it a little bit more before we um, think about that decision. Right, so this, this there's no denying that this is a trial for um, Eden Park as the permanent home of the Warriors in the future. Yeah, I mean, who knows what comes out of it? I'm I'm excited about what Eden Park potentially could offer. Uh, we've we've worked with some consultants through the NRL um, and got some great ideas about some things we can do with a bigger venue um, to make it more exciting and give some unique experiences. Uh, it could it could work um, as a permanent venue, and it, and it could work as something like we're doing next year, which is just the three games. So, I think we've got to get through the year and then review it properly before we make any further decisions. How do you feel the members and fan base feel about a move to Eden Park in your experience? I'm sure it's like life. Um, anytime you change, uh, there's some people that will be apprehensive about it. Um, there'll be some people that won't like it, um, and there'll be some people that think it's it's good. I guess what we can't deny, though, is you know the, the, the 35 average over the three games we've played there means there are a lot of people who have been prepared to come to Eden Park who haven't been to Mount Smart. So we've, you know, we've got to take that into account and we've also um, strongly got to take into account our members' feelings. And uh, I imagine it's very much like the move from Carlow Park to Mount Smart Rugby League, that there was a huge amount of resistance to that as well. So um, you know, we're only doing it for three games. Um, we want to see all the games in Auckland work next year, um, including the eight at Mount Smart. So uh, I think uh, we'd be encouraging our members and we'll be making a special offer to our current members to encourage them to give all 11 games a go and uh, and help us make the right decision for the club. So season tickets for next season would include the uh, Eden Park games presumably as well though? Uh, we'll be on sale with those next week and um, we've got some pretty exciting news about a bit of variety that uh, people can really pick and choose so they're not having to commit to a full season's membership. Um, you know, and I've got, to, I've got to say, it's not a Mount Smart membership, it's a, it's a Vodafone Warriors membership. And, uh, you know, we hope that people are uh, members of the club, and regardless of the venue. But we are going to give people a bit of choice um, going forward. So what, that would be like an Eden Park membership where you'd buy a ticket for the three games or that sort of thing? Yeah, we've got, we've got some plans around that that we'll announce next week. Cool. And um, so... All going well next year, how long would you predict um, if the Eden Park games are a success that it could be until the Warriors are there full time? Well, we've got five years to go on our current uh, contract. Uh, the Council RSA have uh, announced their preference for uh, football codes to play at Eden Park and for Speedway to move to Mount Smart. They've signed a four-year deal, which I understand uh, could be shorter if, if changes took place. And I understand that, you know, the desire for cricket to potentially move to Western Springs is still there. That's all stemmed from the council paper last year. Um, 
Oh yeah, we've got to get through this year and 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 understand how it works, and um, either you know fully commit to uh, Eden Park or carry on further trials, or conversely, um, if we're not comfortable, I go back to the council and say we're committed to Mount Smart and uh, we need more support in terms of upgrading it because it, it, it certainly needs to be upgraded. That's the show for this week. Feedback is welcome via sport at radionz.co.nz and you can get the latest sports news anytime on our website. I'm Alex Coogan-Reeves and we'll be back with more extra time next week. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.